Hey, Stu, we're eight days away. From what? <laughs> Either a celebration or suicide. I'm not sure. Is it a gloat fest or pity party? Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Not, it yeah. really is. Uh, we're eight days away from the election. We want to go over some of the polls uh, today, uh, see what, what's happening. They seem to be tightening a bit. Yeah, there's some there's some evidence of that. I kind of expect that to happen, but we'll see how it, how it goes. Uh, it's too close forward. to call in most states. Yeah. Amazing. It's an amazing thing. In, amazing inclu- thing to watch. I'm, I'm ready for it to be over, though. Including Texas. We'll get into all of that here in uh, just a second. Also, uh, the Great Reset and what it means if Joe Biden is elected next week. What will America go through? We're doing a special on Wednesday night um, at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time about what does the first hundred days of Joe Biden look like if he would win? It's more terrifying because we're using their own words and their plans. It's more terrifying than even what we lay out today. And what we lay out on today's podcast is is pretty bad. That and also the Hunter Biden scandal. What's new? Is the press still not saying anything about it? And what is the cure for the Facebook, Twitter banishing of the First Amendment? All that and more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Gray joins us from the yay yes from the Pat Gray Radio Roundup with his Cowboy so Orchestra. Good. Welcome, thank yeah. you. Good yeah. to be here. Pat uh, Gray Unleashed is the podcast. You uh-huh. can hear him on Blaze Radio. He records it every morning before this program, and then uh, you can hear it wherever podcasts are uh, are are heard. Which I don't know where mm-hmm. that is. Phone booths, you yeah. know, in some of the sketchiest mm-hmm. parts of town. Hardware stores. I've heard, yes. A lot of hardware stores uh, well, carry the podcast. <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to the program, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. We're Good just to be here. we're just talking about the polls and uh and 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 if they're if they're accurate or not. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I hope that everybody is a little freaked out. I hope that mm-hmm. Trump supporters are freaked out because you should be. Uh, you know, the Biden people, it, the polls are showing the polls are showing Biden, you know, ahead by 47 points and yeah. Biden people are freaking out. Now, yeah. part of that is PSD from last time. Yes, I think uh, that's a big part of it. Right. But they are but they are freaking out, which means they're really motivated to go to the polls. I think Trump supporters are very motivated, but we are also a little uh, I think I think Texas could be very surprised. Oh, it's. I just saw Paul where he's down by three in Texas, which I don't believe. Um, but I also saw where, okay, 60 million people have voted already. They keep saying 60 million Incredible. people have already voted. Uh, and they claim that it's a 51-26 Democrat to Republican split on that. Well, 51-26 well, with 60 well, but million but, people? But that's yeah. what they've been telling people to do. What? Go out, go and out vote and vote early. early. Well, Everybody yeah, else has been like, I'm not voting early. I don't think my vote's going to count. But I, I think I, I would not be stunned that after this election, we realized that was the single biggest lie? strategic mistake of the uh, Trump campaign. Yeah, I kind of feel he, that they, way. He, uh, they encouraged gosh, people to would, say, mm-hmm. no, like the mail voting thing is a fraud. Don't do that. Go on election day. And they did it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. 
And, it, you know, look, I, Democrats are always a little bit more likely that, to do early voting, but not like this. People are like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go to the polls. And you should. But go to the polls today. Early. If you have I'm early going today, vote. I mean, I'm going today. We're saying go vote early. Mm-hmm. Just vote with the regular way. Don't don't do a paper ballot. That's what the message has been. But the go ballot. vote early. Yeah, go because vote early. As you point have out, you guys Pat, done that yet? Uh, I'm going to go today. Hopefully, me too. As we point out, Pat, that there is this. Uh, if you have 60 million votes mm-hmm. and it's basically two to one, you're talking about. So yeah. so right now banked votes and we don't know exactly because we're only talking about uh party <laughs> registration but at this point it's basically a tw- that would give you a 20 million vote lead yeah for going joe biden in. going in if you kind of summarize this right mm-hmm. now look i don't know for sure if that's real but the point no, is not, f- you expect the re- election day vote to go heavily in favor of trump the bigger this gets though yeah, the worse it's the worse it is, and God forbid there's a terrible snowstorm on you know on mm-hmm. election day, which you, could you, happen. You don't shut, have up, these, shut up, shut up, you don't shut, have up shut up, shut up, or an, or uh, a hurricane, s- storm, superstorm, Sandy. Right? Yeah, I mean, like these, shut up, shut up, geez. shut up, shut up. And this oh, is man. the reason why people like the early voting thing when you're a candidate, right? Mm-hmm. Is because you get to lock these people in, right? They're, they've already voted. You're, and then you not only are, do you have the vote for sure, so the person does it can't come up with an excuse on election day. You know, because what if there's a COVID flare up or something? You know, there's a lot of reasons you can't get to the polls. Mm-hmm. The other thing they like about it, though, is they don't they no longer have to spend resources to make sure that person goes to vote. So this entire time for Republicans, they need to come back and harass these voters over and over again to go to the polls. Once these people vote on the Democratic side, they're like, OK, zero dollars get to go towards that person. And I know it's not exactly said like that, but they can take large swaths of their expected electorate and stop spending resources on them. So it's a money thing, too. It's a money. It's a resource thing. It's why they like the early vote so much, right? Mm -hmm. And it is, I think, a legitimate point that Republicans have made during this process to say, hey, is it sensible for people to be voting four weeks before a debate? Like, that's not a, a good idea. No. It's not general. at all There's a good too idea. much to learn. No, right? and there's too much that happens between but, late September and November 3rd when you're supposed to vote. Yeah, it's, it's way too long. I think, you know, if you want to vote early, the, isn't the two-week time period it seems sensible. kind of enough? It seems yeah. sensible. Reasonable? But look, I mean, even within that two-week two time period, look at what we have seen now happen with Joe Biden. Right. I mean, look at that information. Is there anyone mm-hmm. that regrets it or will regret it by the time the election comes? Is there anybody that voted oh, for Joe Biden? I doubt it. I don't think I they don't care. know, man. This is really <laughs> bad. This is really, really bad. They don't the believe that, it. They don't believe it. He's just passing it off as Russian disinformation. You know, which is well, then explain why the maddening. New York Times in 2018 did a story on the very thing that we now have proof of. The New York Times mm-hmm. said it looks like, and if this is true, it's really bad. And now we have the evidence of it. I mean, yeah. it, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's just. I know, uh, but they anyway. let him off the hook. Savannah I know, Guthrie I last night on 60 Minutes just let him say it, it without challenging it at all. She doesn't say, no, Joe, uh, the computer has been verified as his. And so have the emails. So don't tell me this came from a Russian. Here she is. Here she is last night. Do you believe the recent leak of material allegedly from 
Hunter's computer is part of a Russian disinformation campaign. From what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And Not necessarily we also about know this. that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. We know and that. And so mm-hmm. when you put the combination of when Russia, together, Giuliani, the mm-hmm. president together, sure, um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign just because what it he is. has nothing he wants to talk about. In his, what is he running on? <laughs> What? I don't. It's incredible. That's That's incredible. incredible. Did you notice the way he put it though? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, It had nothing to do with her question. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with her question. Yeah, good thing she asked a follow. Oh no, no, she she didn't. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But let me ask you this: the does does it matter that the excitement level is so different? The excitement level for, for instance, on Saturday, a hundred and thirty cars pulled up to a biden drive-in rally okay um that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't as bad as the barack obama rally where 400 people total showed up for barack obama for barack obama and a savior the The democrats there's like there's nobody Mm -hmm. showing up to these things i was at a uh i was at a uh, trump rally you know the trump train my wife is like she is the conductor of the Trump train. <laughs> really? Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, she is wow. just like she said to me, I think Friday night, tomorrow, mor- tomorrow morning, we're going to the Trump store. And I'm like, Trump store? What is the Trump store? <laughs> and she's like, there's a Trump store. You don't know there's a Trump store? There's a Trump store and then blah, blah, blah. And, she says, and I'm like, oh, OK, why are we going to the Trump store? Because we're going to the Trump train on Sunday. We're going what? When? What are we doing? Sunday afternoon. There's a big Trump rally. We're going to the rally. And I'm like, oh, oh OK, dear. I mean, mean, it's but it was it was amazing to see because it was peaceful. It was really upbeat. It was packed. And people said when I started talking to people, um, the the one thing I heard that I that I thought this is who the Trump people are. They said, I have no problem if Trump loses and it's and it's real. I have no problem with that, but I am so well, terrified. Problems with it? Yeah, you they just, have problems. You're, you're with not going yeah, yeah, yeah. to go to the streets and happy. say it was a fake election. Yeah, and they said if if he would just if it was fair, and that's what the American people said, you accept it. Mm-hmm. They said we would yeah. accept it, and yeah. and they said, uh, uh, and I I asked. So if that happened, and you thought it was fair, would you? tell donald trump to leave if some reason and they all laughed and they're like of course he would leave yeah and i said right but if he did if they were right and he didn't mm-hmm. would you be on this and they said of course we would yeah we and, want the american system and we want it to be fair but all of them thought that there's no way it was going to be fair and that's and that i get up this morning i'm listening i don't know npr or something and uh there there are these people on who are you know working to secure the ballots and we're fighting in court to make sure that we can count them nine days later and they said you know the problem is is that uh donald trump is going to steal this election so both sides are thinking that it's <laughs> going to be a yes, stolen that's election what's so dangerous so dangerous because that's so. the one thing 
that would cause us to be at each other's throats. Did you did you see uh, Biden uh, bragging about the largest fraudulent voter organization no, he's true. ever put together? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, true. Yes, it is. Play no, it. it's not. Play, Play it, it, Sarah. Together. Yes, it is. And Listen. you guys did did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration, before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud <laughs> organization in the history of American politics. That's his own words. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's his own words. And to be clear, he looked like he looked down and read that. So he meant it. He meant it. Yeah, that was yeah. The- he's put together the largest voter fraud organization in yeah. American history. There's and so he's many proud people. of it. Right. There's so many people that are retweeting this with that point of view. They're like, look, he's admitted it. No, that's not what he was talking that's about. That's not what he's saying. He also but this weekend fun. thought he was running against George W. Bush, so you can't really yeah. trust oh, that man. he is. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Justin Haskins, uh, he's the editorial director for the Heartland Institute. He's also the co-author of a uh, of a new book we're working on right now uh, called The Great Reset. Uh, he's editor-in-chief of StoppingSocialism.com. Been a fan of the program for a long time, and I've been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, it's funny because, Justin, you called me, what was it, uh, two months ago? And said, we've got to do a book on uh, the Great Reset. And I was just about to call you and say, we've got to do a book on the Great Reset. Because it is terrifying. It's out in the open. Shockingly going to be the full issue of Time magazine. They don't seem to be afraid of it. And it is barreling towards us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just think about how astounding it is that Time magazine, just uh, less than two weeks before the election, would devote an entire issue to this one topic. That shows you just how important it is to people on the left and just how powerful this movement is going to be if Joe Biden wins. Okay, so here's the thing I want you to know. If you go to theblaze.com or you go to glennbeck.com, we have an article on it right now that you can spread with your friends. So remember, listen in the next few minutes. And when you want to share with your friends what's going on, uh, make sure you grab the article at glennbeck.com or theblaze.com on The Great Reset. So where do we begin? I mean, I feel like we should start with this is not a conspiracy theory. This is the world leaders are all involved in this. Yes, that, that's right. I mean, the, the Great Reset is an extremely well-documented idea. The Great Reset isn't something that you or I came up with. This is the language that they've used. They've branded it as part of a marketing campaign calling the Great Reset. And the, the whole concept of the Great Reset is they're going to push the reset button on the global economy. That's what they want to do. And so I don't think I think it is important for people to understand that this isn't some right wing conspiracy. This is what they want. Uh, The head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the biggest advocate of the Great Reset I know in the world, uh, says that 
every country from the United States to China must participate in this great reset. And every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. And this, and he talks about revamping all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions. This is coming straight from his mouth. This is a incredibly radical and dangerous idea and corporations from all over the world, international, the international monetary fund, the United nations, Prince Charles, all sorts of Americans are all lining up behind it. And this is, this is not, again, this is straight from their mouths. This is what they want. They want to blow up the world economy and start all over again. Well, and the, that's what the great resets all the, about. The, the crazy thing is, is that we have blown up the economy and, you know, I, I'm not saying that uh, I'm, I'm saying that Corona was a, a very useful uh, emergency, but it is why everything is being shut down. It is why everyone keeps saying, keep the economy closed. We can't go to school. We can't. They need the economy of the West to collapse to be able to do this. It will only be in a collapse that they, a full collapse that they will be able to convince the American people to go along with this. And it's a new sort of capitalism. And you'll read about this in Time magazine, a new sort of capitalism that is, uh, wow, strangely sounds like Chinese communism. Uh, it is a, a capitalism where, sure, you're allowed to own your own business, but... You have to change the way you look at things. The government, you'll be partners with the government and the government will tell you what is really needed and they'll tell you exactly how to run everything. And you're going to pay a lot more in taxes, but that's because we're more community minded. It's terrifying. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. It's the state managing private property ownership but really is it private property ownership if the state is the one forcing you to behave in certain ways telling you who you have to have on your board of directors uh heavily incentivizing people with gigantic infusions of government printed cash or in punishing people with taxes of businesses that they don't like i mean it's it's the state managing the economy um under the guise of private property ownership and you know let's just do what's in the best interest of the collective um, and they call it stakeholder capitalism stakeholders just another way of saying the collective it's collectivist capitalism essentially which is, i think is an oxymoron it is um and, and and really it's not capitalism at all what it is is it's a form of socialism or some kind of fascism or we've seen this on well, look, the left look, on let's many, call it what it is wait 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 let's call it what it is it is it has been practiced before it is currently being practiced in China, and it was practiced the last time in uh, Nazi Germany. You were allowed to own your own properties, but the state told you exactly what you had to do with it. And they would they had the power to take away or to punish anyone who didn't fall in line with what the state said was best for the collective. Period. That's what it is. It is communism in China today, where they call it this quasi-capitalism, or it's the fascism of the Nazis. That's what it is. Period. Yep, that's right. And just going back to what I said before when I was quoting Klaus Schwab, and he says every country must participate, must participate, and every industry must be transformed. I mean, that's it doesn't get any clearer than that. What they're after is putting the elite's 
in, in not just in America, but all over the world, completely transforming society so that elites are controlling the entire economy because, you know, we're a bunch of stupid sheep and they're much smarter than we are. That's that's how they look at the world. And, and now they they're seeing COVID-19 as an as a convenient justification for starting this process. And they use climate change as the long term mm-hmm. justification for keeping it going when the pandemic eventually ends. And again, this isn't a theory. This is them talking about these things. They're the ones calling this a justification. Prince Charles called COVID-19 a golden opportunity to enact this great reset. So do all of the people involved. Listen to this quote. This is from Time magazine. In September, um, my belief was a more virtuous capitalist system is possible. And it was reaffirmed by an initiative of the Forum's uh, International Business Council led by Brian Monahan of the bank of america they release the stakeholder capitalism metrics so the metrics are what is the gender pay gap in company x how many people of diverse backgrounds were hired and promoted what progress has the company made towards reducing its greenhouse gas emissions how much did the company pay in taxes globally per jurisdiction and what did the company do to hire and train new employees they, they will have a federal office, I'm sorry, a global office, if they get their way, um, that will, will go and look at all of these metrics for every single business in the world. I don't know about you, yep, but uh, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly right. And a lot of this stuff was spelled out. Um, the, the principles were spelled out in Agenda 21, the United Nations Agenda 2030, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals and all of these things. What this is, is it's, in a, it's an attempt to take those Sustainable Development Goals that came from Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 and, and impose those on corporations and businesses and how they behave so that it's not just what government is doing in government programs, it's how government can force businesses and corporations to do those same things, to enact those sustainable development goals. So it's forcing businesses to, to become leftist institutions, engage in social justice causes, uh, and you're going to use the power of the government through regulations, through taxes, through incentives, and all these other things to force these companies to engage in this behavior. That's the plan. And it's, it's incredibly well documented. Uh, and it is being sold now by Time Magazine. The entire uh, e- edition of Time Magazine. Is it this week or next week? Do you know? I, uh, it already came out. It already came out. Yep. So it is out now. And I suggest that you get it and read it. Um, it is The Great Reset calls for the introduction of far-left progressive and socialist policies such as government-run health care, imagine that, basic income, and the Green New Deal. If adopted, The Great Reset won't be subtle, a radical and dramatic departure from the existing capitalist system, and one that would demand changes to America and the world's social contract. In an article published on the World Economic Forum's website, Schwab said, quote, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contract to working conditions. 
Every country from the United States to China must participate. And every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. End quote. This is something you must understand before Election Day. If the Democrats get in, the Great Reset will be part of the American society. It will become what we are, a, a stakeholder capitalist society. That's how they're selling either fascism, just exactly the way the Nazis had it, or Chinese communism. If you believe that that is the way America should go, then you should vote for the Democrats. If you believe it shouldn't, you might understand why they're fighting so hard to make sure that Donald Trump is destroyed. This is something that you must understand, and the article is available now at glenbeck.com, also theblaze.com. Don't miss it. It is it's the full edition of this week's Time magazine. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Annie McCarthy is a contributing editor at the National Review, senior fellow at the National Review Institute, and former chief assistant U.S. attorney. Uh, he has written a uh, an article that I think is worth your time, how to put a stop to Twitter's game playing on censorship with the Hunter Biden uh, emails. Welcome to the program, Andy. Glenn, great to be with you. So it is really hard to keep these all of these leaks straight. I mean, they seem to be coming from everywhere. The laptop, the emails uh, from Swizer, the Bevan Cooney emails, and now text messages from Tony uh, Bobolinsky. Any reason to believe that these things are illegitimate? I don't think so, Glenn. I thought that even before we got the uh, the later two strands of information, so when the story was just the post story before we got the uh, the latest stuff from Schweitzer and uh, the Bobolinsky stuff, um, I thought if if you looked at the computer, the evidence and the first thing a prosecutor or any investigator looks at when they're trying to decide an authenticity question is the stuff itself, because if it looks fraudulent or if it doesn't look like it is what it's represented to be, then you don't have to go to all the other questions about its provenance. Mm -hmm. And contextually, um, the emails fit with a lot of stuff that, uh, that Peter Schweitzer had already uh, done a lot of uh, investigative scut work on. So contextually it fit, uh, and there's thousands of these photographs. So the the uh, idea, the photographs and videos, the idea that they had been phonied up seemed highly unlikely. And of course, the most important thing was they wouldn't come out and say it was fake. In fact, the first impulse the Biden campaign had when they were asked about whether uh, Vice Pre President Biden had met with this Burisma official was to check the official calendar. You know, if they thought the stuff was fraudulent, you would figure their first impulse would be, why should we check the calendar? It's all fake, phony, whatever. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought that was pretty strong. And now we have these two other 
entirely separate streams of the same information, which are both corroborative uh, and very informative in their own right. So uh, the notion that this is not authentic uh, to me, is just it's frivolous at this point. Okay, so I just want to ask you, as a as a you know U.S. attorney, uh, you were a U.S. attorney at Southern District of uh, New York as a prosecutor. Some of the messages revealed by the Daily Caller have been criticized because they came apparently from a phone that appeared to be connected to a Russian cell service. A, what do you make about that? Um, uh, I haven't seen anybody say that they were falsified. Is it fair? I mean, I feel uncomfortable with things coming from Russia. Should we should these outlets be more clear where they came from? And just because it's connected to a Russian cell phone, does that make a difference to you as a prosecutor? It would put my antenna up. uh, But at the same time, you know, I think you have to bear a few things in mind since we've become so irrational about Russia in the last four years. Um, One of them is that the fact that something comes from Russia doesn't mean it's false. You know, a lot of times the Russians dump information on us that is embarrassing and difficult to deal with because it's true. Um, And, you know, for example, the Democratic, the DNC emails in 2016, um, the reason the hacking and the publication of them was an embarrassment for Democrats was because they were authentic. Uh, So, you know, the fact that Russia rears its head in something uh, is a red flag for an investigator, meaning you always have to be on guard that you're you're getting something that could be misinformation or could be phonied up. Uh, But it's at least equally likely that there's true information that is embarrassing and difficult for us to deal with. So you do what you would do in any instance. I mean, I learned when I was a prosecutor that, uh, you know, we took information from terrorists. We took information from hitmen. We took information from the most awful people on the planet. You do your homework. You know, they give it to you and you take it because they may be the only sources of that kind of information that you get. You know, we don't get upstanding members of the community to give us uh, information about criminal criminal activity, but then you do your homework on it and try to corroborate it. So the the um, laptop itself was given to the FBI, I believe, last December. Rudy Giuliani didn't get a copy of it until a week ago. I think it was a week ago right. last weekend, um, and um, he then pushed it uh, out. Why why wouldn't the FBI release this information why is it taken so long i i assume that some of it may have been that that they were slow to act on it i understand that the first fbi office that got offered the information uh didn't accept it why and you know we still haven't got i don't know the answer to that we haven't gotten good answers from uh the fbi about the way this has been handled and that's the kind of thing congress really has to bring ray in and ask him some questions about what they did here. But to give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, I, I think it looks like there was a, there is a serious ongoing investigation about this that is centered in the Baltimore field office. I think, Glenn, the story I heard was that the, um, that the fellow who had the computer first tried to give it to the FBI in Albuquerque 
And then ultimately it was taken by the FBI in Baltimore by virtue of a subpoena, grand jury subpoena that was issued by the U.S. attorney in Delaware. And there's no reason to think that they're not doing a serious investigation on it. But, you know, when you if you're investigating, evidently they're looking at money laundering. That's according to the coding that we have uh, from some reporting about how they open the investigation. And, you know, we know from the Manafort investigation that uh, that Mueller did when you're dealing with funding streams that are from outside the country or a lot of the information, mm-hmm. a lot of the records, a lot mm-hmm. of the witnesses are outside the it's country. Tough. That stuff is not easy to run down. Um, it, with the um, the questioning of, by the Senate of Tony B- uh, Bobolinsky, um, do you think we'll see any criminal charges for Biden without direct evidence that he was uh, personally receiving some of the money? I mean, is it enough to go on the email that says, hey, 10 needs to be held for my dad or I'm sorry, for the big guy when you have Bobolinsky saying, uh, you know, he was the big guy. That's Joe Biden. Uh, to me, that's not enough evidence to, to bring a charge, uh, but it's a, enough evidence to build a case. a case on. And I and I think what you would want is to see is this is this a one off, which might make it very tough to prosecute, or is it uh, a pattern of behavior that you can that you can prove? And the other thing to bear in mind about this is that the Supreme Court has made these corruption cases very difficult to prosecute since the McDonald decision about three or four years back involving the governor of Virginia. You almost have to have strong bribery type evidence of a of a clear quid pro quo. And part of the reason this is all going to be difficult is for a lot of this stuff, I think that that sort of smoking gun uh, text message or email that we're talking about my recollection is that Biden wasn't in office at the time. I think that was uh, I think that was 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they may have a obviously it stinks to high heaven and it's it's uh, obvious corruption in a in a common sense kind of way. But in terms of is this a prime a crime that you could prove in court where you can prove a quid pro quo beyond a reasonable doubt under circumstances where you're dealing with all these different uh, entities and people will come in and say, well, you know, Hunter Biden was a really bright guy. That was why we wanted him on our board. You know, <laughs> you have to you have to you have to make sure you have evidence to overcome all that. I wanted to get you on um, to talk to you about the 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 whole smell of this Hunter Biden thing. And and there's another stench that is coming up, and that is the fact that this is really kind of becoming dangerous to talk about Twitter and Facebook shut down the New York post social media, making it hard for anyone else. And not only on this story, but anything they deem damaging to their chosen candidate. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm as astonished as you are Glenn by, by how blatant it is. Right. It's been obvious for a long time to conservatives. Yeah, but I, I just think that uh, it's a broad shot of conservatives and the uh, the sort of camouflage of it is Trump. So, you know, for a long time, they've taken the position that Trump is such an unusual president mm-hmm. and he was elected under such unusual circumstances, you know, losing the popular vote by as much as he did, yet uh, eking out a victory in the 
electoral college Mm -hmm. that the story is that he's illegitimate and they have used that as a uh, basically a rationale to treat him differently than any president has ever been treated and now it's kind of bled over i think to treating people in his in his camp or perceived to be in his camp Mm -hmm. uh, and in particular any stories that might help him get elected um, are looked at with the same taint of illegitimacy that they have basically tried to bake for uh, four years and now that we're down to the short strokes it's really become embarrassingly blatant that they are politically in the tank for this guy this is not like a media thing this is an adjunct to a to a partisan political effort um it's it's quite amazing because we fight the uh, censors all the time they have uh, suppressed us recently i did a story on uh the ancestors of of uh hunter Biden. i'm sorry of joe biden owning slaves we had one of the best um, researchers and researcher firm of genealogy in the country do the report. They gave it to us and it was all clear, all buttoned up, but it still took us days and days while they were suppressing us. They, by the way, we just got a letter last night saying, Oh, Jill, okay, guess you're right. But they suppressed <laughs> us uh, and yeah. suppressed that story. Yeah, I, I think it's even um, it's more insidious than that, Glenn. I, I've had the experience now three times in the last several days where I sat down uh, and went through Twitter and tried to retweet a couple of things, something that we had an editorial we had put out at National Review about the Hunter Biden stuff, uh, a report by a terrific reporter named uh, Jerry Dunleavy at the Washington Examiner. Uh, on some of the same information and one other story. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but as soon as you try to retweet it, they put a little sign up that says, wouldn't you like to read this first? Hmm. Um, Like, you know, I mean, they have no way of knowing whether you have or you haven't, but I bet you they don't do that for, I know they don't do it for every single story. I can guarantee it. Yeah. So um, I I just think it's creepy um, how, how this is, how this has happened uh it, not just their tactics but the fact that they they don't seem to be ashamed or embarrassed in any way at how obvious it is that they're putting their thumb on the scale for one partisan side so what do you see andy happening if uh, joe biden wins and the democrats win i mean you know the, i think even the republicans uh, have lost their nerve some of them not all of them uh, but some of them lost their nerve going up against these guys uh, and they will, they will, you know, only a few Republicans are actually threatening to do something. The Republicans yeah. that did threaten to do something say we're subpoena. We're bringing a subpoena against these guys. You come to Congress now. The other Republicans wussed out and said, well, we'll wait until after the election. Yeah, I, I'm worried, Glenn, that they will join with uh, that. You'll get elements on the right and elements of the left that will come together and do something that will be bad for the country. I mean, we have a situation here that obviously needs to be addressed, but I think it can be addressed by amending uh, the the provision that controls all this, or is supposed to, Section 230, in a way that takes ambiguity out and makes it clear that if you're going to engage in content 
editorializing, you know, any way that you, you're going to shape content, if you're going to let stuff go from one side but not the other side, then you should be treated like a publisher. And that doesn't mean that you're doing anything that's illegal. You're allowed to be a left-wing website if that's what you want to be, but that's what you are. And if you want to have the status of an Internet um, media platform that it in a uh, an even-handed way just transmits information so that you can get uh, immunity from lawsuits, then you can't editorialize by content. You, and it seems to me that would be the easiest way to do it. The, the best line in one of, of your it. one of your write-ups was immunity is a benefit. Lack of immunity is not a punishment. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I think we need to see it that way. What I'm afraid of is that these guys are going to get together and have a, a government board oh, yeah. oversee oh, yeah. uh, how these, uh, these outfits operate. And that's a disaster for everyone. Yeah, that is. Uh, well, what, well, let me ask you, why is that a disaster? Well, because we'd have the, that's exactly what we have a First Amendment not to allow, which is the government uh, to shape content and, and to shape our political discussions and to s- decide what is and isn't appropriate political discussion. It's terrifying what we're facing. Uh, we'll find out which direction the country chooses uh, in uh, eight days from now. Andy, thank you so much. Uh, we'll check in again with you, my friend. Na, na, na.